the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one well before i introduce the players we have breaking news just got a press release city of toronto's dantonia park don valley humber valley scarlet woods and tam o'shanter golf courses will open tomorrow so Robert Turner, you think that's breaking news, huh? Do I have? Yes. Right. Are you kidding? Get sure. the newsroom. All right. Yes. I I want Omar Sashadina on this story. News Talk 1010 Toronto. This is breaking news. All right. Let's introduce the players. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Robert Turner, as you heard, is here. Matt Gurney, journalist, co-founder of The Line, which is an online magazine. John Burnside, Toronto City Councillor and TTC Chair. And uh, that is welcome news, at the very least. That, uh, But also, it's, is it still an ongoing fight at City Hall to preserve these golf courses and not sell them off for condo towers? I haven't heard of that fight. Uh, you know, we have so much more to fight about. I think people have moved on, although there will be a little bit of a fight at, at uh, your beloved course over in Flemington, which is uh, obviously a, a private uh, golf course that they want to develop on. Yes, they want to build some towers, and uh, most of it's a floodplain, so it's kind of an interesting proposal. But let's keep moving here. Uh, let's actually start. I don't want to dwell on this because it's just relitigating things, but Robert Turner, it is kind of intriguing to think every 10 minutes today, another candidate is going to show up at City Hall and register to run. And I think we're like setting aside the fringe, genuine fringe candidates. We have about 10 possible legitimate candidates who are keeping 10 minutes apart. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at what we would normally consider to be a, a legitimate candidate, people who've held elected office before, people with some media profile, there are a lot of them. It's going to be an interesting race, and we could end up having a mayor when this is all said and done that very few people vote for. Yeah. Um, John Burnside, are you going to spend some time around the clerk's desk just to entertain yourself today? Uh, no, there's enough entertainment going on elsewhere at City Hall, um, but there are a lot of candidates or a couple uh, whom I really like, and that'll be my my uh, my problem is deciding which Giorgio Manaliti and who. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, uh, as goofy as he is, he actually often brings up conversations, difficult ones that need to be had. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone's sort of looking for counselor support or MP support. I don't think anyone cares what John Burnside or any other counselor has to think or what the MP thinks. Uh, people want to make their own decisions. Okay, any quick thoughts, Matt Gurney? Um, I'm going to echo what the counselor just said, but I'm also going to add, I think a big part of this is always the issue of social media, where I'm, I've been looking at some of these candidates rolling out almost immediately their social media videos here, and I'm curious to see who wins social media this election, because as you guys well know, a lot of the time, who wins social media is not the person who actually ends up winning the election. There are exceptions, but it's almost a rule you can bank on. Um, the Ontario election watchdog would like to ban opinion polls in the run-up to voting day. Matt, I'll start with you because you spend a lot of time covering politics. Not a bad idea, really. I mean, it's, it, it has the power to sway votes and do it badly. Um, I, 
I have really mixed feelings on this because I do understand that argument. I get it. I understand that if someone um, looks at you know the polls and their their guy is way down, they might not sh- show up at the polls, right? They might stay home that day, and it can end up becoming a self fulfilling prophecy. So I get it. I really, really do. But I'm not comfortable with it because I don't like the idea that in the middle of an election where it might in fact be really obvious which way things are going, that the press would be limited in reporting about that. Like, I I think I get the problem it's trying to solve, but I'm just not wild about there ever being limits on what we're allowed to talk about. The thing is, though, this is really just a line drawing exercise, right? Like, you're already not allowed to publish polls the day of the election because I guess we figured that that could influence things. So now it's just how big that window should be. But it's not going to mean people can't do polling. You're still going to have the candidates able to do polling. The media just won't be able to report on it. So you might, this might solve one problem, but then open up things uh, for candidates to be able to manipulate a message based on information they have that no one else does. John Burnside. So I think this whole low voter turnout um, issue and the idea that polling is 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 the, the problem is like a, hey, look over look the other way. I think there are three issues why people don't vote. Uh, one is politicians never actually answer their questions. They've been so trained to, to uh, sidestep them. No one actually keeps promises. And then uh, there's no honor in politics anymore. No one resigns. We've seen it at the federal level. It, you know, love or hate Brian Mulroney, when a cabinet minister got uh, out of line, he or she had to resign. And I think the whole system is falling apart, and we like to blame someone else, that's pollsters or otherwise, for something that we really need to look internally. I was listening to an interview with an advocate for refugees um, on the day that Joe Biden and Justin Trudeau announced that they had reached a new deal on the border. And this person said, just you watch, people are going to die because of this. And sure enough, less than a week later, we have eight people who died trying to go from Canada into the United States. Um, But Matt Gurney, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Can we necessarily say this is because of Biden and Trudeau or is it because we have smugglers and we have people desperate to cross borders? Yeah, no, I think there actually is an argument to make that, yeah, like this is a consequence of the deal that was reached between the president and the prime minister. Um, But I I don't say that with blame because it's also a consequence of having borders in the first place. And I I don't think uh, Canadians, as as much as we like to talk about fitting the borders that we can get back and forth between Buffalo and here for a quick shopping trip as easily as possible, I don't think we want no borders. And as long as borders exist, people are going to want to be on the other side side of them, and they're going to be willing to take risks in order to do that. I know it sounds like I'm being very callous about this, and I'm not trying to downplay the, the the tragedy of this. This is obviously a terrible situation here. The challenge here is not to eliminate the U.S.-Canadian border. It's to try and have a more stable world where people aren't this desperate to cross them. I know that's very high in the sky and abstract, but that's, that's the situation we're in here. If you have borders, and if those borders are controlled, there will be people who try to break the law in order to get around those controls, some of them will come to a bad end. John Burnside, it's a little mind-boggling. We imagined that we had arrived at this deal with the United States in order to prevent people from crossing into Canada. These people were crossing out of Canada. Yeah, and I mean, that. I guess... Everyone's looking for to go somewhere that best meets their needs, whether there's family in the States or whatever the case is. Um, and I'm going to even sound more heartless than Matt, but it's not like pe- these people were leaving a war to- war-torn country. 
And at the end of the day, there's a risk when you're crossing a river or a lake or an ocean. And um, people know the risk when they when they take it. Obviously, it's a tragedy, but I don't think you can blame this on government all the time. Um, another, there's a bit of overlap, I guess, with the next story. And I'm not sure how familiar people are with the fact that Western women went to Syria during the Civil War and married ISIS fighters, many of whom were killed, but not before fathering children. And then these women and their children children ended up in camps. And a Quebec mother has actually not been greenlit to come back to Canada, but she's putting her six kids, aged three to uh, 14, I think, on a plane today. They will become basically orphans and wards of the state when they get here. Robert Turner, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, another version of Sophie's Choice. Yeah, but I mean, you have to do security clearances, and that's the hang-up, right? I mean, it, it was not like, this was not a holiday gone wrong, right? You didn't go to an all-inclusive. You went to join up with a, an enemy of Canada, uh, and they're not sure that they can clear her coming back in, or at least that's my understanding of it. So she's making the call with the kids. Obviously a difficult decision, but those kids are Canadians and they have rights. Matt Gurney, I don't know if you've seen the documentary I watched, and I found some of these women so hopelessly misguided and in some cases stupid. I ended up feeling sorry for some of them. But at the same time, you go to a civil war and marry uh, uh, you know, an Islamic fighter. I'm not sure I'm that sympathetic. Yeah, now here's the thing, and man, this roundtable this morning is all about me being as callous as humanly possible. Bring I swear on. to God, listeners, I'm nicer than this in real life. Go but ahead, you monster. Look, John, to, to your point, our prisons are full of morons. Like, you know, being stupid and getting yourself into trouble because you didn't think things through cannot be a defense here. Like, I have absolutely no doubt, and I, I don't know if I've seen the documentary in question, but I, I've read about this issue extensively. I've read about a lot of the uh, the people who did go over. That's not just Canadians. There's Americans and Britons and Europeans who are in, in the same point here. I think whether it was some of the women who went over to marry these people, or even if it was some of the young fighters, one of the common themes that links most of them, is that they were really stupid. The question then becomes, does that stupidity act as an excuse? Like, do we do we all get us? okay, you know, you're stupid enough to have joined a terror group, but you only get one of these redeemed, redeemable cards like in your life? No, no, no. If you go over there and do this, I'm not sure that stupidity is a defense. Okay, listen, I want to take advantage of the fact that John Burnside is here, and you chair the TTC Commission, and we have two transit stories today. One of them is uh, fare integration with the GO system, and I'd love to hear from you how that's going to manifest itself. And then also we have higher fares today, which I don't think are going to materially affect ridership. I think most people are too afraid of being stabbed. Right. So on, on the higher fares, uh, which I uh, would like to address, is it's 3%, and we haven't raised fares in the last three years, so it's well below inflation. And there are a ton of exemptions for people who can't afford it. So I'd like to put that one to rest in terms of all the people that are complaining about higher fares. Um, in terms of fair integration, the Ford government, and I'm happy to criticize them for other things, but they've been really good about this. And they came to us and all the other municipalities and said, hey, basically how it's going to work, and there are obviously a lot of details to figure out, is you get on the GO Transit, you pay your fare on GO, but then when you get to the municipality, 
it, there's no additional fare. Yeah. And the province will cover, will make us whole. And as long as they do that, I think we're all excited uh, to have more of a seamless system, more affordable system, and a system where people can come from St. Catharines and keep on going. Okay. Robert Turner, is this going to materially change your intention to use the TTC? Well, not mine because I live in the city. But I mean, yeah. it, anything, you know, it's we talk so much about environmental programs from the government. And, you know, I know the carbon tax is one of the things that's on, on, on our list today, too. This strikes me as the easiest environmental initiative ever if you want to get more people on transit make it make it, cheap, make it cheaper and make it way more attractive to okay well now instead of however many dollars a day more it was going to be because I'm moving through all these systems it's one fee and it gets you there that's a real incentive to get people on transit uh, young people say they're interested in learning to drive stick, as some people would say. Matt, can you drive a standard transmission? Oh, I mean, probably badly. I would have learned originally at the time. Like, I had the bright idea when I was 16, 17, that I should learn on manual first, and then automatic would be easy. So I did that. But then, I, I'm being honest here, I probably haven't driven stick in over 20 years. Yeah, Robert Turner, this is actually the first car I've ever owned that isn't stick. But, I, yeah. you know, driving uh, in Toronto. I, I just want to say I think this is fake news. I don't believe this. I don't believe young people want to learn to drive manual. Most of the young people I, I know don't want to learn to drive. So I, I just I don't think this is accurate. Yeah, no. And John Burnside, I'd put this in with if you asked them if they wanted to learn how to square dance, they'd probably say yes. But I don't think they ever will. Uh, absolutely. And I didn't even know that you can get cars, all cars anyway, with the, with the stick shift. My first was a Datsun 240Z. I made the mistake. I think it might be even more misguided than Matt. I went out in rush hour, went up the hill at Leslie Street, and I started oh, no. rolling back. Oh, you, you hadn't been taught that whole uh, double heel thing yet? Well, no, I was, I, was, uh, I was so confident in my own abilities that I was teaching myself in rush hour. Okay. I've only ever driven automatic. You guys are all old. I just want to say that. Well, there. <laughs> try, try going to Europe and renting a car, though. No, I don't think I'm going to do that. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot, gentlemen. We're we're done here. Uh, no, I mean, we can't get into we're some dismissed? trenchant there's topic. There's still time. You don't, there's nothing you want to bring up? There's nothing? 30 seconds on the clock. Anything right. you wanted to say? No, I'm want, good. I just want to say I think Turner's older than I am. Possibly. Possibly. Enough out of you, Matt. Okay. You monster. Robert Turner, John Burnside, and Matt Gurney on round one. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.